Let's turn now to Psalm 86 and let's have the, the Bible open in front of us as it is God's Word. And the psalm begins with its subscription, with a little title saying, A Prayer of David. And this is the only psalm written by David in Book 3, which is our Psalm 73 to 89. See, we understand the psalms as one book, but within the one book of 150 psalms, there are five books. Book 1, from Psalm 1 to 41. Book 2, 42 to 72. Book 3, 73 to 89. <clears throat> book 4, 90 to 106. And then book 5, Psalm 107 to 150. And well, the reason I, I tell you this, it help us understand how the Psalms are put together, because some of these Psalms in the 80s are hard they are difficult to understand and to grapple with. But maybe, perhaps, it will be helpful for us to generalise, in a sense, that the Psalms are a broad reflection of God's people's journey, God's people's Israel. Because books 1 and 2 are often connected with David's early life becoming king and looking forward to God's anointed king. Book 3 begins much differently. Psalm 79 indicates that the temple is destroyed. There's the fall of Jerusalem. David's line seems to be no more because the wicked are prospering and they are in exile. And then book 4 is a reminder that God is the only safe place. He's the only God of salvation and God still reigns. And then book five is a celebration of God's redemption and sovereignty over all nations. So it might be helpful for us whenever we are thinking about these Psalms in the 80s as a, a broad generalization to remember that God's people are maybe in exile at this moment. It maybe help us capture the emotion of a Psalm. So it's why maybe the corrupt rulers in Psalm 82 is put together in this section. In Psalm 82, God still rules over the wicked judges. In Psalm 83, that God does not keep silent. In Psalm 84, that we are longing to be in the temple. Psalm 85, that we would be revived. And in Psalm 86, we see David pleading for God's mercy. A plea for God's mercy based on God's character and who God is. Because David continues to trust God during crisis. And we need to continue to trust God during crisis. Whether that crisis is because it seems as though the wicked are prospering, whether it feels as though someone is out to get you. Whether that crisis is the uncertainty of your workforce or of your own employment. Whether that crisis is in your own home, between family members, maybe your children or your spouse, in your own body or another's with illness and sickness, in our own minds with our struggles with food or depression and anxiety. Whether the crisis is national or personal, whatever it is, whatever combination of things it might be for us, 
we don't always trust God during those times. But we need to continue to trust God during crisis. So let us look at Psalm 86 together. Firstly, in verses 1 through to 7, a plea for God's mercy during crisis. A plea for God's mercy during crisis. And David's situation, well, we're not exactly sure, but we get a sense of his anguish and difficulty, don't we? In verse 1, I am poor and needy. Verse 3, I call to you all the day long. And verse 6, I listen to my cry. Verse 7, in the day of my trouble, I will call to you. Twice David asks God to hear. Verses 1 and 6, showing maybe the depth of his hurt or trouble. And this psalm is a plea for mercy in verse 3. David says, have mercy on me. Verse 6, listen to my cry of mercy. And then, towards the end of the chapter, verse 16 of the psalm, have mercy on me. And other translations will say grace or gracious or loving kindness or kindness. But you get the picture. David sees that in his trouble that he has to plead for mercy because he cannot bring anything but himself. And he asks God for mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. Be gracious to me. And not just once is this David's plea, but it's all day long. God's mercy is his loving compassion for his children. Towards his creatures he shows and expresses his love even in the midst of our sinful plight and disaster see god's character overflows into his people his compassion towards us his never-ending kindness towards his people even though we have sin lives marked by sin lives that are destroyed by sin Lives that are full of changes, difficulties, trials, or crisis. God has mercy on his people. On Netflix, there is a movie documentary called The American Gospel. It shows the damaging effects of the prosperity gospel. On how people's lives in the past have been destroyed. How damaging their theology is because it is not Christ-centered. But in this movie documentary, we meet a, a couple and they turn to God in their, tr in their trouble. The wife was minutes away from death. They cried out to mercy in their crisis, which seemed to keep coming and coming at them. They suffered blow after blow, but they continued to plead for mercy. But all the while, recognizing that there's nothing that they can do. They cannot bring God to give them stuff they plead for mercy recognizing that they have experienced the greatest mercy of all that since they've repented and believed in Jesus their sins are forgiven and their salvation is sealed by the spirit and that is what we must do if we are to experience God's mercy to repent and believe of our sin 
And even when we have done that, even when it feels that we have taken blow after blow, we continue to turn to Jesus and we continue to ask for mercy. Because we know that all the while we have experienced God's saving grace in our lives. David is able to plead because he is God's servant. He pleads to God because he is devoted to God. He trusts God. It's not a, a wishful thought or an aimless prayer. But he prays because he is God's servant. We aren't entirely sure what David is experiencing fully. It seems like his enemies are needlessly attacking him. But he turns to God. He turns this to God because he knows, as is expressed in verse 5, that God is forgiving and good, abounding in love. He knows that God loves his people and he calls out to his God. David trusted God to rescue him. Because David knows God is the only one who can. As one of God's people, trusting in Jesus, we need to do it all the time. And during crisis, have you pleaded for God's mercy, but all the while remembering that you've already experienced God's saving grace? Lord, have mercy on my work situation. Lord, have mercy on my family. Lord, have mercy on me because I am broken, hurt, and lonely. Lord, have mercy on me. I call to you all the day long. He is merciful to us. Our sins are gone. Through the blood of Jesus, what mercy that is. In the midst of crisis, all we can do is call out to him. David continues to trust God during the crisis. And as God's servant, he calls out to God for mercy. Secondly, in verses 8 through to 10, we can be praising God during crisis. We can be praising God during crisis. In verse 8 to 10, David suddenly bursts out with praise praise that reminds him of God that God is this only God among the gods there is none like you there are no deeds or no gods that can compare to Israel's God David cannot ignore the evidence of God's work in the past and even in his life there is a crisis there is a day of trouble but yet at the same time, there is still praise for God, for what he has already done. God is unique in his works. There is nothing can compare to God. And David knows God as the almighty God who will judge the wicked, but who will bring all his people home. He will bring his people to eternity. And David praises God for his past works that God has done these marvellous deeds, that he is a great God we can be praising God even through crisis as well not forgetting of our trouble and crisis but knowing our God that we can rejoice 
because we know the almighty god will come to judge the earth and we will be saved because we are one of his people and we will be in victory we will be part of god's people in triumph we can rejoice praise in jesus because we know the works of the father the son and the spirit in our lives and as we read god's word god's marvelous deeds god alone could only do this work the father alone could send the son the son alone could only die on the cross and we rejoice because of the finished work of jesus his wondrous work on the cross that our sin is dealt with and we are trusting in jesus we have god's spirit living in us only god alone could do this work only god alone could do these marvelous deeds in the old testament and in the new testament there is no god small d like this living triune god and we rejoice in our salvation even during crisis we praise god even during crisis for we are part of verse 9 all nations you have made will come and worship before you all nations will worship jesus people from all nations but there are people who will bow the knee to jesus not in worship but just in recognition for they do not know jesus but one day every knee will bow and confess christ as lord we praise god even during trouble or crisis whatever difficult things we are going through we praise god because we have a certain hope of jesus there is no god that can offer salvation freely like our god a salvation that is not based on us that is not dependent on us that isn't reliant on how good we are or how much we keep the law but purely of god's grace through christ's work on the cross we just need to trust jesus david continues to trust god during the crisis and he is even able to praise god for there is no god like him and thirdly verses 11 to 13 we are to be god's pupils during crisis we are to be god's pupils during crisis for some of you during lockdown it has been the case that you've had to unfortunately do normal school work even though you're not really at school and for some of our parents you too have become pupils during lockdown you have had to learn or to dust off some of the gray matter to recall some knowledge and maybe some of you have been battling with fanatics with our younger children as well others have had to battle with writing poetry or history essays and for others you have been learning to master video conferencing working from home and others have had much more pleasant experience during lockdown learning to do new things learning to cook new meals some of you have tried your hand at baking a thing or two as well and there's a sense in which even in these last number of weeks 
many of us have become pupils again. We've been learning new things in the last few months. Well, during David's trouble here, during his crisis, he continues to be God's disciple or to be God's people. Look at what he says in verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. David says, Lord, teach me and give me. Teach me. David recognizes that he is a pupil, a disciple all the time. In every part of our lives, in every situation. Even in the middle of what David's going through. Even in the middle of what you are going through. David wants us to be able to walk with God. He wants us to continue along the way, the right way, the righteous way. He wants us to continue to be a servant of God. Teach me that I would walk in your way. The only way to live is to follow God's way. That's the only way to live a holy life. David is a leader, a king, who is seeking God's wisdom. If we trust in our wisdom, we'll soon end up deviating off onto the wrong path or the wrong track. We need to realise how far off the mark we are without God's help and instruction and guidance. Yes, we might desire to be on the right path, but we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit to illumine God's word for us, to light up the path. During crisis, we need to be praying that God would teach us for us to continue walking with Jesus. Crisis can come and they can teach us. They can teach us to trust God more, to continue to trust God, to walk in his way that we might be more holy through lockdown or through whatever crises it might be. David has a second request, doesn't he? Teach me and give me. Give me an undivided heart. David knows it's not his own strength to have an undivided heart. He needs God's help. He can't do it himself. We can try really hard to be structured in our routines to pursue different things and objectives to be motivated to do that and maybe after a while our motivation wanes in the Christian life we cannot motivate ourselves so we'll soon fizzle out we need Jesus we need God's spirit to illumine the way that our hearts will be illumined to the love of Christ so that we, our hearts would become undivided. And that's what David wants. A heart that is only for God. A heart that would mean that he would only see the majesty of God. That he would be able to fear God's name. A undivided heart to serve God. That God would be his master. So we need to have an undivided heart a heart that is motivated 
because of the cross, what Christ has done for us, so that we can say yes to God and no to corruption, yes to God and no to money, yes to God and no to putting our family first and above all else, saying yes to God and saying no to thinking that our happiness, our selfishness is above all else, or our appearance is above all else, is let me set my heart and mind on Jesus. Can't be having our heart torn between different things. It's been a while for many of us since we've been out for a meal or maybe even got a takeaway. But you know there are people who take ages to decide what they want. They're hemming between that meal or that meal or that starter and that starter. And they're flipping between indecision between one male or the other. Well, often that's what our hearts are like with Jesus. We're flipping between making up our minds what to do this one week and Jesus the next. We need our hearts set on Jesus. What does a heart united to Jesus look like during lockdown? What does it look like whenever we're battling between work and homeschooling? Or maybe uh, between your little one and, uh, and a routine? Or maybe deciding even silly what to watch? What will help us? Because our hearts swing from this thing to that thing. Our hearts blow hot and cold. It's only God can. In crisis or in trouble or in usual times or in good times or in bad we need to turn to God and ask him that he would give us an undivided heart a heart that is united to Jesus a heart that will grow for Jesus a heart that will live for Jesus a heart that will learn from Jesus a heart that will trust Jesus David in his prayer he says he's going to persevere with praising with his lips and going to love with all of his heart in verse 13 or in verse 12 sorry i will glorify your name forever because god has wonderfully rescued him from the depths he's going to be god's pupil but david is still praising throughout the crisis to be given an undivided heart and to be taught god's ways is a blessing and David praises God with all of his heart because he knows God has delivered him from the depths that God is his salvation and he will praise him David continues to trust God during crisis and continues to be his disciple and then finally verses 14 through to the end we are to be relying on God during crisis. Relying on God during crisis. Verse 14 finally indicates to us maybe what is going on. Verse 14 says, The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seek my life, men without regard for you. So these men are obviously out for David. They're out to kill David. David continues to turn his attention to God. 
here continues to rely on God. We don't need to fear during crisis. It's not as though God will abandon his people. God will not. And as David looks at these men who are attacking him, and as we go through our crises, maybe not being attacked in a different way, David can say, like Paul in Ephesians, in verse 15, but God, but you, O Lord, David is fully reliant on his God. And he quotes here from Exodus and chapter 34, when God speaks to Moses. In Exodus 34, Moses is told to get two new stone tablets because he broke the first set and God would write the commandments again. And as Moses presents himself, as he chiseled out the two stone tablets, he presents himself to the Lord. And then in verse 5 of Exodus 34, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. And what does Moses do after hearing these words? Moses bows to the ground in worship. After the Lord had proclaimed all this to Moses, that he was compassionate and gracious, abounding in love and faithfulness, Moses fell at his feet and praised God. And David, he rests in God's character, who God is. He truly relies on God and God's word. David relies on God's word. Despite his situation, he relies on God and his word. When chaos and uncertainty are blowing about our heads, God remains steadfast, certain, consistent and secure. For he is the same yesterday, today and forever. Regardless of the world's situation, or our personal world's situation, the crisis or the chaos, God is the same. David is relying on God. He is playing and relying on God. He's not relying on himself to sort out this trouble. He's not relying on himself. We cannot rely on ourselves to sort out our problem. We cannot rely on ourselves to get over our illness or to fix our marriage or to get over our mental health. No. We need to be relying on God. We must rid ourselves of the pride and come humbly before God, relying on him, coming to trust Jesus and rely on God. David gives this confession of who God is. And again, he cries out for mercy, asking for strength. 
And then he finally asks for a sign of God's goodness. That maybe God has seemed silent to his enemies. But David asks that through this crisis, God would show that he is still at work. That getting out of this trouble, after getting out of this crisis, through this crisis, that this would be a strong and clear indication that God is still at work. There would be a clear witness that God is still at work. So whenever we get, go through crises, may it be clear in our lives that God is still at work. Whenever COVID is over, let us not marvel at human intelligence or how great and obedient we were in the lockdown measures, but let us marvel at God's mercy. David continues to trust God and he relies on God during crisis. We see a plea for God's mercy. We see David continuing in praise. We need to continue to praise and continue to be God's people all the while relying on God during crisis. This psalm throughout Although David is in trouble, it is punctuated with praise throughout, isn't it? It is scattered the whole way through it. Why? Because David is constantly looking to God. And when he looks to God, he is reminded of God's character. He's reminded of God's mercy, his abounding love, his magnificent deeds, his deliverance, God's abounding love, his faithfulness, that God is compassionate and gracious and faithful. In the crisis, David continues to look to God and trust in him. He's reminded of God's marvelous mercy. David does not just pray for deliverance, but that the fear of God be imprinted into his own heart. So let us not just pray to get through a crisis. But let us pray for mercy that God will grant to us his will. That we will be more holy. That we will be more Christ-like. That we will be taught God's way. And that our hearts will be set on Jesus.